Good evening and welcome to the Get Football Mercato Show here every weekday to bring you the latest transfer news from across France, Germany and Italy. I'm your host Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Matthew Santangelo from Get Italian Football News, Andrew Thompson from Get German Football News and Grant Maitland from Get French Football News. We'll start tonight with a move edging closer or ever closer at least, as Newcastle United look to finally start bringing in some players through the door. One of those looks to be including Mainz forward Yoshinori Muto, Andrew. Um, what can you tell us more about a potential deal for the Japanese international? Well, simply that I don't think it makes much sense, uh, at least in, uh, from Newcastle's standpoint. I think it's important to note that the deal is going to go through because uh, there's a Incredible amount of interest from Fulham for Alexander Mitrovic to bring him in full time. He was only on loan for uh, the second half of last season. He did quite well for Djokovic there. Um, they're interested in bringing him in. So Newcastle will need a replacement. Honestly, Mitrovic is their only true, in my opinion, at least center forward. And uh, Muta does fit that mold uh, to replace him. But they're very different players in terms of uh, their, their strengths and weaknesses. Mitrovic is more of that traditional target man, that, that focal point in the attack. He was very good in the air. Uh, in regards to Muta, though, he's more of a mobile center forward. You know, he, he spent some time as a, on the left side of the attack as well for Mainz. Um, so... Whether that indicates a shift in how Newcastle plan on moving forward in the attack this season is a, is a different question. But the bigger issue for me um, and for Newcastle is that, A, his goal-scoring record is not really that fantastic for Mainz. Um, I think he's scored maybe 23 in 70-odd appearances in all competitions for them since he moved there three years ago, which isn't that fantastic for someone you want to lead your line. And more importantly, his injury track record is also quite poor. It, in the 2015-16 season, I think he missed... Um, about 16 matches through injury, and in, in 16 17, he missed about 15 as well. He's had uh, ligament issues multiple times over the course of his career, so that's something that Newcastle will have to watch out for as well. Um, in terms of just bringing in a replacement player, they're going to get that through, but I'm not quite sure that it's the player that they should be bringing in. But as usual with Mike Ashley, it's more of how much money he's going to allow you to spend um, that'll restrict them. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, it's an interesting one, really, because like you mentioned, his, his injury record isn't great. The 27 appearances he made last season was the most he's made in a Mainz shirt, which is a little bit surprising, given his, his a slightly poor goal return as well. But he was, to many English fans at least, linked with Chelsea before he turned up with the Bundesliga team. But how, when he is on the field more often, well, when he is not quite as often as he probably hoped, but it, can he be a player that impacts the Magpies positively where goal scoring was an issue for them last season? Again, I'm not quite sure. You know, he. I mean, to be fair, Mainz don't really. They're not blessed with creative players as well. So obviously, the supply lines to them aren't going to be necessarily what they might be at Newcastle. Um, you know, you have the likes of John Joe Shelby pulling the strings from deep. That that might serve him well in that regard, especially because, as I said before, um, his movement off the ball is is it's solid for a center forward, and that'll allow maybe the likes of Dwight Gale to to play off of that and create space for one another. Um, but you know he is he can be wasteful in front of goal and he can be inconsistent in front of goal and you know the Premier League is all about taking your chances. So if he takes his chances well, if he settles at the club, you know he might be able to to flirt with getting double digits, maybe ten goals in the Premier League. But the two questions will be: Can he settle? Um, and Japanese players don't have a good track record in the Premier League for starters, um, and if he can stay fit. So yeah. 
that's always the difficult thing. But like you say, Tuna on a budget, so uh, not a bad signing, at least anyway. Maybe add some depth. On to things in France, and a big move is pretty much almost confirmed. We had sources this evening that um, Monaco looked like they're all but sealed for dealing for Alexander Golovin from Seska Moscow. Uh, the medical will plan to be tomorrow on a five-year deal for 35 million euros, including bonuses. Grant, what do you think to that kind of deal? Yeah, I think it's a suitable conclusion to one of the longer transfer sagas that we've had so far, dating all the way back to even before the World Cup. It's obviously much to the dismay of a lot of Chelsea fans across the world as he chose AS Monaco over Chelsea after failing to agree to terms with the English club. I think you can attribute that choice to a number of things, specifically choosing Monaco. One of it could be the ruthlessness of the sporting director of AS Monaco, who of course is Michael Amendanalo. Ironically enough, of course, he used to be the sporting director of Chelsea and now he's taking one of Chelsea's main targets away from them. I think for a lot of young players like Golovin, AS Monaco is kind of an easier sell because of their well-established track record when it comes to developing young talent. We've seen that, you know, well-established diamonds that keep coming out of Monaco with Mbappe, Lamar, Fabinho, James Rodriguez. And I think with Golovin heading there, he's looking to kind of continue that track record. Um, they have those incredible facilities, and obviously Leonardo Jardim is not afraid to give anyone a chance in the first 11. And, and it's an interesting tug of war it was really between them and, and Chelsea with obviously Roman Abramovich on one side, Dmitry Rubovlev and uh, Vadim Vasiliev on the other side, really eventually convincing what it seems like, at least anyway, very much Golovin heading to France. But um, where do you see him fitting into this Monaco side? Obviously, Jean Moutinho went out the door last night heading to Wolves, opening a gap really in the midfield with um, potentially next to someone like Yuri Tielemans. D- does he slot in straight away and become that creative force that Monaco maybe missed at times last season? Yeah, I absolutely think he does, especially with the departures of Thomas Lamar and Fabinho as well. I think we saw him obviously impress in a more advanced role during the World Cup, especially during that 5-0 demolition of Saudi Arabia. If he can kind of replicate that same form that we saw in Russia, in France, then I think as a creative outlet for Monaco, he'd really excel. Um, obviously, they have a lot of talent surrounding him as well, and pairing him with Yuri Tillemans would definitely, definitely create one of the more creative and terrorizing midfields in Ligue 1. I have to imagine that he'll get plenty of playing time because, like you mentioned, Jamatinho's out, Thomas Lamar's out, and Fabinho's out. So I imagine for Leonardo Jardim, he'd slot right into the first 11. It's going to be a really interesting signing, seeing if he can build on that exciting World Cup we all saw him have. Um, on to matters in Italy. and um, well, An interesting development, really, this evening as Di Marzio has sort of come out with a report just before we've aired with this one Matt and it looks like um, there's more news on potentially Alvaro Morata filling that hole at the front of the uh, AC Milan's uh, forward attacking line at least. Um, What's the latest that we've heard from them? Yeah so with um, there's a lot of things going on with Milan obviously there's the Panucci talk possibly going back to Juve after one year then then Milan are trying to work out some, uh, you know, the issues that are, not at least the blockade that's coming on with uh, Caldara, of course, uh, the young central defender from Atalanta that Juve just recently purchased. They want to fill that void with Bonucci, so they're trying to sort that out. But in the meantime, obviously, they have their well-documented stri- uh, striker problems up front. 
So that's where they're kind of looking at um, Morata. Of course, for a while, it seemed as though that Milan and Chelsea were a little bit of a, a duel here for Gonzalo Higuain from Juve because Juve want to dump his his uh, his wages. Of course, they just got Ronaldo, so he's really about excess for Juve at this point. But I think it's clear that Milan are now per- they're looking for a younger profile up front to complement uh, Patrick Cutrone, who's 20 years old and, and though very talented, still has some room to grow. So that's where they want to get a guy, a big name talent like Morata. And right now, it seems is that they've, uh, according to recent reports, is that Milan and uh, their new sporting director, who was just appointed today, Leonardo, they looks like they've made the initial contacts to with uh, Morata to see if there's anything there. The player seems keen. He's uh, he was at Juve for several years. It did pretty well, and then he went back to Real Madrid, where um, they ha- they exercised their buyback on him before going to Chelsea. So I think it's clear that Morata does desire a return to Italy. Uh, his wife's Italian. Uh, they're having a baby soon, so I think it's the f- there's a good fit for Milan there. Again, money talks, of course. Chelsea, I don't think are going to want to take a massive loss on this. I think they spent something around sixty five to seventy million last year. Uh, so it, my guess is that Milan need to do some uh, some some dumping of some you know, other other players in their squad, if you will, like Nikola Kajinic, possibly Carlos Baca, um, to see if they can make this this deal happen up front. Because I think it's clear that while Milan can probably spend a little bit of money here this summer, they still really don't want to kind of fall into that hole with financial fair play parameters and things like that to adhere to. So it's going to be interesting to see what the, what happens in the next couple of weeks. Again, of course. Uh, you know, Milan's in there right now in uh, Los Angeles and they're on, on the uh, International Champions Cup tour. So there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes with Milan. And for better or for worse, it seems like Milan are always in the headlines with uh, UEFA, with their ownership, with strikers, with Bonucci, possibly their captain leaving. So it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, Morata seems like the target for them right now. So first contacts have been made. Let's see if uh, Milan can make this happen. And there's a lot of sort of moving pieces, like you mentioned there earlier at the moment. There's things going on everywhere because at the moment, like you've mentioned, that price will be the sticking point. Around 65, 70 million euros they've been quoted, which is around about what Chelsea paid. And they're obviously in a moment now where they're trying to save a little bit of money. Can they realistically, with those restrictions of financial fair play, get this deal done? I know that, that obviously they need to offload some players before that happens, but have they still got enough in the tank to get that big deal and still improve the squad? I think they have, again, one or maybe room for one or two additions. Again, a lot's going to depend on what guys they can sell. Again, Kajanic, um, he's been linked with Atletico Madrid. Baca has made it publicly clear that he really does want to go back to Spain and stay with possibly Villarreal, who he had a pretty decent season with last year. So I think, again, if they can uh, sum up, you know, stir up some cash there, Plus, I think it looks like the um, the hedge fund Elliot are, are willing to spend a little bit of money here for Leonardo uh, to work with for the summer to get the guys he needs. Again, they spent so much last year, so they really shouldn't be in the position that they should have to spend as much. But here we are talking about them still trying to get a striker, still possibly looking at a winger. So there's a lot of things going on with Milan. I think if they can get a couple of sales here with some players, I think they can. Uh, they'll, they would invest the money to get the striker that they need. Again, it really is going to depend if if they're willing to go as high as 65 to 70 million, which is what Chelsea, if they can knock that price down, maybe 50, 55 with bonuses, I think that would be probably be a sweet spot for, for uh, Milan to land him. But again, it's really going to depend on what the price is because Chelsea, they have their own striker problems right now, or at least their problem that they're trying to sort out. And it, it's it seems as though that they want to be able to get the money from the proceeds of Morata to fund their replacement. So it's going to be interesting to see what... Uh, dominoes fall here and then see if that ultimately sees uh, Morata return to Italy with Milan. I'm thinking maybe 
Bonucci, Juve, Higuain, Chelsea, Chelsea, then Selmerati to AC. Maybe there's a little bit of a merry-go-round just setting itself up. But let's go and focus more narrowly on the leagues now and starting with the Bundesliga and you, Andrew. And the interesting one that seems to be a bit of a strange story, really, and that's Max Meyer, who is obviously out of contract at Schalke now and has been linked with a number of clubs across Europe, including the likes of Arsenal. But it, it looks like at the moment that it will be Hoffenheim that might be his destination. That's the, the rumour that's hotting up. Yeah, I mean, um, it will be interesting just, you know, for me, it's someone that I've seen come through at Schalke since he was younger. And you looked at him when he was a younger player and you would think that he, unlike uh, Lewis Holtby before him, would actually make good on his, um, his potential as he came through. But um, it's not gone right for him uh, at Schalke. And after the falling out with the board and um, his contract situation there, um, in the claims of being bullied, he's wanted out. Um, as you say, he has been linked with Arsenal, um, but Sport Build reported that um, his main desire was to go to Atletico Madrid, but that fell through. So now it's Hoffenheim that have swooped in and um, have reported interest. For me, I think it's a sensible move. I don't think he was ready to go to a much bigger club. Um, and I know he had a sort of a resurgent season this year as playing in a deeper role um, despite coming through as an attacking player uh, when he came through at the youth ranks. But um, he performed well enough. But I, I, I think his performances were a bit overstated. So I think making the jump to Hoffenheim, uh, so Hoffenheim will not really jump. It's more of a, um, a lateral move considering both will be uh, in Europe next season. Um, Hoffenheim needed central players. Uh, you know, uh, Dennis Geiger and uh, Lucas Rupp are both injured. Uh, Rupp's going to be out till December. And at the moment, that only leaves uh, Florian Grilich and, you know, realistically, Karim Dimmerbay is the only central players they have fit going into the new league season, um, one that will include Champions League. So despite his age, Meyer is experienced. You know, he does offer that uh, creativity from deeper that uh, Nagelsmann will enjoy in, in his deployments, despite only, you know, having one year left at the club. He will be going to every Leipzig after the season. Um, so for me, it's a sensible move for him. I, I do think that Atletico or someone like Arsenal would have been a step too far for him. I think if he can get a couple seasons and since I'm under his belt, you know, prove that it, it wasn't more of a, just a one-season wonder kind of thing, I think then he'll be fit to make a bigger move. But for me, I think this is sensible on both parties right now for sure. Hmm. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because the, a lot of these Schalke players, we get it all the time, really. It seems like any attacking midfielder that plays for them gets high promise, but another one that hasn't quite lived up to the to the expectations. But maybe there's a chance to resurrect himself at, at Hoffenheim in that deeper role where he did do reasonably well last season. And, and Hoffenheim are in the news as well because they've also signed a player today, and that's Adams Nuhu from um, BCS Young's Boys in uh, Switzerland. Obviously, the league champions there this season as well on an €8 million Euro deal, um, which is for a five-year contract as well. Um, they need a little, little bit more reinforcement in the defence. They obviously tend to play that three-man back line. Is this the kind of right move for um, Hoffenheim to be making under that last year under Nagelsmann? I think it is. Uh, I mean, the funny thing is, though, I don't necessarily know if they need the reinforcement. There are links and rumors that uh, would see that Aaron Bishop is just going to be leaving the club. Um, obviously, he fell out of favor. He's maybe fifth or sixth choice down the pecking order. But despite that, with Nuhu coming in, at the moment, they have eight center backs at the club. And even when you play three at the back, eight center backs is a lot for your first team. So there might be one or two more going out. But then again, Hoffenheim do have younger players. And you, Justin Hukma is only 20 years old. Uh, Stefan Porsche is only 21. But Kevin Okpaguma, who had a breakout season last year, is still only 23. 
so it does give them rotation options, which is good, you know, but I think the more worrying thing is the fact that Benjamin Ubner is getting up there in age. He's almost 30. He's been one of their standout center back performers in the last couple of years. So uh, it'll be good for, under Nagelsmann's system, but more importantly, again, it's the club thinking about, you know, what's going to happen after Nagelsmann leaves for Leipzig. And I think that's the, the biggest issue that they'll want to tackle and have some younger players, you know, getting those that seasoning this year ready for the manager change next year. I think that's what they're aiming to target, and this is certainly one of those moves. And if it's anything like the uh, Manuel Akanji move from the Swiss League to to the Bundesliga, then you know Hoffenheim may have another younger center back gem on their hands as well, and, and they're quite good with identifying younger players. So um, it'll be interesting how this one develops. Uh, I think it's a good move for them now. Mm, it's always good to keep building, even if. Uh... The, the talented young manager is off to pastures new. Um, on to someone who may be moving to the Bundesliga and is at least an interesting Werder Bremen and that is Thiago Mendes of Lille. Obviously, uh, the club relatively struggled last season, but he was maybe one of the, the better players. But a reported €20 million Euro, uh, price tag is maybe just about putting them off, um, going for a, a real strong move on this one. I think so. You know, they're never going to have a ton of money to spend. Um for them, it's just all been about survival the last couple of years. Um, losing Thomas Delaney to Dortmund will be the player they're trying to replace. Um, they've also been linked with uh, other players as well. Uh, I think David Klassen was another one who's been um, touted to for a move there. But you know, for me, I think the question will be, can they replace Delaney's combativeness? You know, he was excellent in midfield on the defensive side of the ball, pressed very well, it's good in the air. Um, he did have a bit of creativity about him. Maybe he could offer a couple of goals here and there as well. So I don't know enough about Mendes to speak to if he's that type of player or if this will maybe see them going another avenue after losing Delaney. Um, so, but again, I think I, I don't necessarily see them wanting to spend the money. That doesn't mean that they won't, but it might not afford them the ability to, to reinforce other areas of the squad. So I think that'll be the question moving forward. So if they don't pull the trigger on this one, that's that's going to be the reason why. And they're going to want to go for someone a bit cheaper, maybe five, six million cheaper, so that they could put those funding towards you know another position that they might want to reinforce. And that's the interesting conundrum. And I'll bring you in on this one, Grant, really, because Thiago Mendes had an okay season, but that's probably being a little bit kind on what was a dreadful season, really, for Lille. He was a player that maybe did a little bit more than others. But at the same time, 20 million euros, it's, it's surely a big risk on a player that didn't quite have the greatest of seasons in his first uh, season it, or in French football, at least. Yeah, I think you're definitely right with that, Nathan. 20 million euros sounds a little steep when we're seeing some of the other prices that clubs are playing for, you know, perhaps more talented center backs. However, like you were just hinting at, I think you do have to give him a little bit of extra credit in his performances and the fact that he's being linked away from Lille, given the fact that Lille was such a chaotic atmosphere this past season, and it really took a lot to stand out in the rough there. Um, so obviously 20 million, maybe a little bit too much, but you do have to give him a little bit of extra credit. Mm. And let's move on to things in France now. And, and sticking with Lille, really, because a perfect segue, really. Um, a player that may be also looking for the way out is Kelvin Malqui, who obviously joined from Saint-Étienne the season before, thinking it may have been a bit more positive than it ended up being. But there's a number of clubs linked with him, both a couple of British clubs, Fulham and Crystal Palace, supposedly rumoured, and the, Napoli have even inquired about him previously as well. So, 
do you think that maybe it's best for uh, for Lille at least to maybe cash in on someone that is a pretty sellable asset when they need to try and find a little bit more money for their DNCG? Yeah, I think they probably should. It seems like it's almost out of necessity now, but if anything, now would be the time given a signing that they actually made earlier in this summer transfer window. They signed Zeki Çelik, who's a Turkish international. They signed him for a two and a half million euros on a five-year deal. And he showed a lot of promise during his career with um, a club in Turkey. I think if they give him the chance, he should step up if Kevin Malkui is to depart, especially if they can kind of conjure up a bidding war between all the clubs that are linked. Like you mentioned, Fulham is in there and West Ham are the two most recent clubs to have inquired about the French right back. But Valencia, Napoli, Inter and Celta Vigo are also interested. For the time being, you could likely rule out Inter and Celta as the two won alone with option to buy. Whereas Lille, if their you know, asset is, is to the Bart, they would like to sell them outright as opposed to a loan to option. Um, so like you were saying, now is probably the right time for him to leave. He did provide six assists for his team last season and, again, was one of the few bright spots in such a tumultuous season for one of Ligon's more historic clubs. So if they were to sell, now would be the time because they kind of have a, you know, a replacement who should be able to step up and they wouldn't have invested in him if they weren't considering the sale of Malqui. An interesting one at that. And one confirmed just before we went on area that Ren's um, own feed gave this one away, and really, and they've confirmed that Joris Nyanyan will be joining Sevilla, and it looks like he'll be heading that way to Spain tomorrow. And they obviously managed to get uh, Clement Grenier through the door before that. But let's focus on the defender first, Grant. It's a decent deal, but believed to be around 15 million euros. I know our, our very own Rich Allen is a little bit disappointed. It's not a little bit more, but you can always ask for a little bit more. But yet another academy graduate from Ren going for pastures new and, and has a bright future. Yeah, he absolutely does. I mean, age just 21 years old. You can imagine that in a few years, given his strength, intelligence and speed, he'll be the modern day definition of a rock at the back. I think if I was to go out on a limb across Europe, this might even be one of the best moves throughout this summer. I have a lot of confidence in Yanyong going forward. And I think if you compare it to one of the other centre-back departures from France in Mukhtar Diakabe, who left Lyon for Valencia for 15 million euros as well, you really have to kind of question the amount that Rennes got from Yanyong, given the fact that He's a more established first-team player for Rennes, and he's impressed for longer, yet they got the same exact amount as Lyon did get for Diakabe. For Sevilla, as I mentioned, this is probably a, a great move for them. They're obviously replacing the departing fellow Frenchman Clément Lallet after his high-profile 35-million-euro 30, move to Barcelona. It's a great investment when you compare the prices, as I mentioned um, Gagnon is strong, intelligent, quick, and only 21 years old, so plenty of room to grow. And they're getting him for 20 million euros less than they just received for Lenglet. I would say he might be a slight step down in ability right now, but give him a year or two and he could quickly establish himself as one of the best center backs in La Liga. Yeah, it feels like another one of those classic severe moves of getting someone through the door that's great. And I, I also want to go back to Ren really very quickly on the signing they've made, and that's uh, Clement Grenier coming through the door. Um, he's had a, several injury hit years, and I'm sure Matt will remember his very brief spell, at least at Roma, that didn't really turn out very well either. But uh, a six months reno uh, renovation project really at Gangomp has, has revitalised him, and, and a chance for him now, similar to others, to, to take that slight step up again and, and show what he's worth. 
Yeah, he really did impress during his short stint in Gangon, uh, Ren's regional rival. I think the investment that they made, right around 4 million euros for Grenier, is relatively risk-free given the fact that he was so, such an influential midfielder for Gangon at the tail end of last season. They're obviously adding him to a midfield that's full of some other talents like Benjamin Andre and Borgard. Um, and he's a welcome addition to a summer that is outside of the departure of Nyanyon. Actually been a pretty promising summer for Stade Rene FC. They obviously signed the, stri the striker Jordan Sibachu, who in theory will solve their striker woes. So I think with the addition of Grenier behind him as more of a creative presence paired with some industrious midfielders that Ren already have, they should have a pretty impressive attack in the next season. And on to the final bit of news from uh, Liga this evening, and that's Jeff Ryan Adelaide looking like he's going to be making his move to Angers permanent after being on loan for six months um, at the end of last season. Did reasonably well, didn't quite break through as much as promised, but obviously Angers sort of enough in him, granted, to go for this and go for a permanent deal that um, should be a positive move for the youngster as well. Yeah, it should be nice for him to get a little bit more for his team uh, playtime for Angers. You kind of have to call into question Arsenal, I believe, in this deal. Obviously, a lot of it is rooted from when he was just recently axed from Arsenal's preseason tour squad. That threw up a lot of questions of his future at the club, if he was to leave on loan or leave permanently. I think selling him permanently might be a little bit of a mistake, especially when you compare it to some other questionable decisions that Arsenal have made recently. I think if you look at it in the future, we can kind of maybe see this deal unfold just like the Serge Gnabry deal did for Arsenal, where they sold one of their younger, more promising wingers. And just a year or two later, they're absolutely regretting the deal, having seen how um, you know, direct and skillful Gnabry is in the Bundesliga. Of course, René Adelaide is still just 20 years old. He's a very promising player. He's got a great dribbling ability. He's very agile. And in the small sample size, as you mentioned, that we saw him in Ligue 1 in the tail end of last season, he did complete over two dribbles per game. So his ability to beat his man and kind of progress into the attacking third should definitely give a little spark to Angers, who have seen one of their more influential attackers in Carl Tokuakambe leave for Villarreal. So it was obvious that they would need something to bring in to kind of not necessarily replace Tokoi Kambe because obviously he's more of a front man, whereas Rene Adelaide will see feature more in a winger position. But the addition of Rene Adelaide, a promising French player to Angers, would definitely be encouraging if I were a fan of Angers myself. An interesting move indeed. Let's hope that um, he continue his ascension. And on to matters in Serie A now. And there's plenty going on, as always. It seems to be in Italy, Matt. And we'll start with something you briefly touched upon earlier when we were talking about Milan. And that's uh, Leonardo, who's joined the club as sporting director. Obviously, they got rid of the original sporting director earlier this week. And he steps through the door. What kind of plan do you think the Brazilian will bring to Milan? Well, I think with, uh, you know, first off with um, you know, Massimiliano Milibarelli, he was the uh, previous sporting director in, uh, during the uh, Chinese takeover last year, along with Marco Fassoni as the CEO. It's clear, though, with Elliot taking control of the club now, they really want to just clean house. They want a clean slate. They want to give that, I guess, that picture, that perception to the fans that they're bringing in the, the best, the best they can bring in, the guys who know what it takes to get Milan back to where it needs to be. And so when you get a guy like Leonardo, I think that's a great appointment. Although some initially some ultras they put out a banner 
uh, once they got word about this uh, possible uh, return for Leonardo, they they weren't really up. They really really weren't too thrilled with it. After whatever reason, again, maybe they feel like he was a traitor. He went to Inter. He played a role with them. But in any case, I think it's one thing's clear is that Leonardo. He knows Milan. He was a player. He was a coach after Carlo Ancelotti left, um, who he admired. Went, of course, to. Um, Excuse me, he was actually at PSG as well. Now he's coming back to Milan. So I think it's a great appointment. I think we're kind of seeing it already that he's really going after some top guys. These are the guys he wants to bring in. He's well-respected. He knows the game. He knows um, he has a grasp on the market. So for, from you know just looking at it on the surface already in just short time, Leonardo is really going to be working here to get Milan back to where they need to be. And he's going to make the additions that they really do need he's not gonna you know bring in certain players just to kind of fill out the roster he kind of is observing it right now and thinking there's got to be a striker there's got to be this there's got to be that and he's kind of putting all the pieces together so for Leonardo, i think he's he's again he's got his work cut out with him he's got to stay within uh the financial fair play framework that's kind of obvious but at the same time i think if uh, he was able to get a striker he's able to get maybe a defender again if they work out everything with bonucci caldara or whatever the case is and then maybe even a winger if there's something else left in the budget i think most milan fans would be accepting of that uh, um given the fact that he's kind of stepping in mid midsummer if you will it's kind of a difficult transition from you know the chinese to elliot now so if he's able to kind of get tick off a couple extra boxes that they need in certain positions Milan fans got to be quite pleased, uh, given the fact that he really hasn't had much time, or the whole summer rather, to really assess the market, to really act on the market, and to really properly go after the guys he wants with that uh, excess of time. And it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. A little bit more time in his hands maybe in January, but on to um, a team still seething really somewhat from the Malcolm saga in Roma. Their goal really, Matt, is still another wide man in this window, but who are they targeting now? So it looks like you know, after everything uh, kind of fell fell through with Malcolm, shockingly, which is a pretty crazy thing. I'm still getting over it myself, but it, it looks like though that Monkey's trying to, uh, he's kind of casting a wide net. I think he's going to get creative in this position. I, I feel that there's, there's, there's going to be a possible attempt at Suso. There's been reports that he, he likes Suso quite a bit. Um, I think of course, Suso's release clause of, of 38 million euro has expired, so they would have to sort that out. Again, I think that's going to be a difficult operation for them to pull off. But in any case, I think that he's, he's a possibility for them if uh, the price is right, of course. But I think the one of the biggest fits, in my opinion, for uh, Roma Roma's uh, winger need is Domenico Berardi. Uh, he's kind of this player from Sassuolo, of course, for, for those who don't know. He's been this guy that's been linked with big moves in the past, but for whatever reason has decided not to move. Uh, he was he, he was targeted by Juventus a couple of years ago. He really wanted more guarantees in terms of minutes and a role, and so he kind of stayed at Sassuolo. But in any case, he's he's kind of dipped off recently um, with you know with regards to his temperament, some injuries, and, and just things like that. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see. Di Francesco give his thumbs up on a Domenico Berardi reuniting with him and uh, you know for the from the time at Sassuolo, especially if the price works out well, it's it's they're able to get the guy they, they that has a good fit with the manager. He kind of understands him, and he also becomes a fit obviously tactically. That's that's a big thing there. But the good news is for Roma, they have some time. Monchi is going to continue to act. He's going to continue to see where the value is. That's kind of what he does, and I think Berardi would be probably the biggest target for me because. Yes, his value has taken a hit recently, but I think there's so much potential there that, that at 23, 24, that 
it's it's too good to pass up if he can get him at a good price right now. And, and, and obviously we know how Roma operate, where if they can get a guy for 25-30, there's a good chance they'll be able to flip him for more than that. So again, we saw that with Allison, which was the perfect example. So it's going to be interesting. But again, Roma are not done. They've had one of the busiest, they've been one of the busier teams in Italy this entire summer. I believe they've added 11 to 12 new players, give or take. So expect more developments on the winger front for Roma. Um, again, I think the, like Domenico Berardi is probably the ideal candidate, or the most likely for fee, for fit, and everything like that at this time. But again, names could come up, and um, you know, I, we can expect a possibility of another monkey madness at some point. And that's no doubt really. It would be interesting to see if Domenico Berardi finally gets that that big move really and see uh, what can happen for him. But uh, one player I wanted to bring in, I wanted to discuss this with you as well, Andrew, obviously, because he's obviously currently plying his trade in the Bundesliga. Another man that they've, Roma have briefly mentioned, is, is Leon Bailey. He's also supposedly looking at a London move with Chelsea and Arsenal in the wings as well. Um, what do you think to his chances of moving on really, Andrew? I know Bayer have been and their sporting director have been out and saying that there's not a move in the pipeline, but um, he's attracting a lot of interest. Oh, rightfully so. Honestly, for me, he is he's one of the the best young talents in Europe. Personally, um, even since when he came through um, uh, in in Belgium, uh, Bayer are I would say notorious, but they they play their cards close to their chest. So while you know there's been a statement that's come out that said that he's not not that he's not for sale, but there hasn't really been any formal approaches for him. That doesn't necessarily mean that there hasn't been. Um, and Bayer do have a history of selling on their best young players, you know, for massive profits. But that's just because realistically, right now they're not a destination where they can really keep hold of players. Um, for me, I think Bailey will stay this summer. I would be shocked if he doesn't move next summer. Um, I mean, I don't think they've really gotten enough out of him yet in terms of a return in a footballing sense. They do have a lot of good young players still there. You know, you still have Julian Brandt, who's still there. He signed a long-term deal, um, which kind of surprised quite a few people considering the interest that was touted with him from both Borussia Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich. Um, they also have Kai Havertz coming through, and he's broken through in the last year or so. So it's going to be interesting to see how he develops. And I think that might be why they want to hang on to Bailey, at least for another season. But again, I I, mean, I I would be surprised if he's there come season after what's coming up for sure. But and in regards to going, if it's Roma that he's, you know, that I've had an interest, it's one of a few destinations that would really suit him. I think they play his type of football. I think he matches, um, I, I guess, what they want in a winger. Um, you could probably see a little bit of similarities between him and Malcolm. Um, so I guess it would make sense from, from a playing standpoint, sure. Mm, and it'd be interesting to see if uh, someone does try and pinch you, pinch you away with uh, especially the English window fastly shutting. Uh, let's finish in Serie A again with, with yourself Matt and, and one deal that has gone through and someone who has played in Italy previously well, and that's Christian Pasic um, is headed to Atalanta. Um, an interesting move for them. They obviously have been more of a selling club in the last sort of year or so, unfortunately, because of that great success they've had. Another good season last season as well. But would he add something to their midfield? I think he will. I think uh, Mario Pasalic, he was one of those players who, uh, one of those uh, Chelsea players who kind of just went out alone and to kind of see where he can find find stability in his career, if you will. Um, of course, he was at Monaco, where he spent the season at Milan, where 
He played pretty well under Montella, mostly in the second half of the season. He was given opportunity to, you know, to kind of play a role in, in, in Milan's chase for Europa League. And obviously he scored some pretty big goals. He played some pretty good football as well. He was able to adapt uh, rather quickly to Italian, the Italian game, which doesn't usually happen often for, for younger players, younger foreign players. But I think getting back to, you know, Atalanta, you mentioned their their structure, their model, if you will, recently as, as being a selling club. And I think this is kind of that same possibility with Pasolic where it's a good value buy. And it's a lot of times I think it's comparable. You can compare it to what they do with Brian Cristante, who was at Milan. He went to Benfica. He was around a couple of teams in Italy. They took a six million euro investment on him. He had a great season. I think he scored nine or ten goals from the midfield this past season for Atalanta. And then they sold him to Roma for thirty million. So I think this is kind of up that cut from that same cloth of business for uh, for Atalanta, if you will. And that I think it's kind of obvious that they're always going to be one of those teams that in Italy that people look to for for talent. Uh, Francesia, you had Caldara, you had Conti, you had uh, you know, obviously you know Gagliardini moved to Inter a couple of you know two winters ago. So there's always clubs looking for Atalanta because they do such a great job developing players and moving players through the system. They have a great academy, one of the best in Europe, in my opinion, a fantastic coach in Gasparini. So it's kind of quite clear that, that yes, they're going to still be considered a kind of, a, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, a feeder club. But at the same time, they do a great job. They're a great opportunity for younger players like Pasovic to find stability, find minutes, find growth, and then parlay that into a bigger move. Maybe, I'm going too far in saying this, but maybe they're kind of like the Italian version of Monaco in that they give opportunity, they give minutes, they give a, a good environment overall to grow into a great professional or a good professional footballer. So I think when you're looking at this move, again, it's a great value, probably a couple million euros, nothing drastic where it's going to kind of you know, empty their pockets. And again, it's going to, it's just another piece of the puzzle um, that's going to help Gasparini continue to compete, continue to move this model and, and uh, excuse me, this project forward to where it needs to be just to kind of compete in that Europa League uh, phase. And, and possibly again, if, if, if the stars align top four, we weren't too long ago where we saw Atalanta, I believe a couple of years ago, they finished fourth ahead of Lazio on the final match day. Again, things have changed with the structure of uh, Serie A. A lot of teams are getting better, but you get my point is that Atalanta are a team that they know how to operate. They know how to do things on the market and they know how to build a team that's able to compete. And I think that when you get you look at Pasolic, that's just a, one of the cases with him where it's a good move to kind of continue the, uh, the project, continue that model of what they like to do uh, and have it keep moving forward. Absolutely, and it'll be interesting to see how he um, sort of develops under Gasparini, who has done a magnificent job there in the last few seasons. Uh, just before we finish tonight, we'd like to thank uh, everyone concerning our French side of things on Twitter on Get French Football News. We hit the 100,000 mark on Twitter on followers this year, well, earlier this evening, which is uh, great news from all of us at five years that we've been doing this, and it's great to see the growth still going. Thank you all for joining us on that side, and do give Get German Football News and Get Italian Football News a follow as well, if you don't already. But that's all from us this evening. My thanks to Matthew, Andrew, and Grant for their company, and of course, to all of you at home. Uh, please join us again tomorrow for more from the crazy world of the transfer window. Good night.